Up there. there we go. Good morning, church. Good morning. good morning to those online. Welcome to you as well and to our worship service here today. Brad, I congratulate you on all those names. That was fantastic. We had a beautiful choir. If you missed it, you need to go back and rewind people online and go back, see our choir perform and uh, give glory to the Lord in a beautiful way as well as uh, we had some great names that were said there as Brad uh, read our scripture here today. And uh, we're excited for that. Well, that's right. He's a great, yeah, great word. Yeah. Be the name of a new kid one day, right? Well, as we're here today, church, uh, it is the end of a sermon series. Oh, I know. And uh, it's been a, a, a good one, I hope, for you. And I hope uh, that you've been touched in many different ways. It's, of course, as you've been with us, if you haven't been with us, we've been in the middle of a sermon series that's been very, kind of very specific to our church at the time we're in. And uh, what I mean by that is, you, uh, Tina, you got to share with the scouts that it's been kind of a rough couple of years for you all. It's also been like that in the Methodist church, too, as uh, you probably have heard some about that as well. But we are coming out. We are at a point where we have direction, and we're coming out uh, and coming to this conclusion of the sermon series here today. I do want to mention to you, uh, as we're here today, that um, I'm actually really excited about some cookies and things afterwards. So uh, I do want to just remind you once again that we're going to have a good fellowship with the scouts after this, but let's pray together. Lord, may the words of our mouth, my mouth that is, the meditation of all of our hearts, be pleasing in your sight, for Lord our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So we've been looking at this book of Nehemiah, which is a great, awesome book in the Old Testament. It's a story of the people of God when Jerusalem had been conquered and destroyed and all the people were even brought out in chains and taken to other foreign lands, forced to settle there. And then years later, actually the empire that conquered them actually gets conquered itself, those same people end up now not in Babylon, but in Persia, and the Persian Empire now is coming back, and one of them has taken this great step, Nehemiah that is, to go back and to say, you know what, we're going to rebuild Jerusalem. And we looked at just kind of this idea that, you know, when he heard about how bad things were in Jerusalem, even though he was the cupbearer to the Persian king, that he took time to grieve. We looked at that in week one, and we looked at how there's appropriate time to take time to grieve before acting. We looked at the second time where at some point he just risked himself. He actually went before the king in a very bold fashion and asked the king, I needed to get this done. Send me. And the king, because he had a plan, sent him. And so we talked about the idea that sometimes to make good choices, to rebuild things, to do good things in life, you have to risk oneself, including your position, even your life sometimes, to make sure good things are done. We looked at the idea that week three that, you know, when he asked the king, the king had, you know, questions for him. And he was ready to answer, right? And so there was an attitude of you have to be ready for the moment. You have to be prepared before that moment comes. And he put on that risk. And we looked at that in week three. And then last week, we looked at the idea that anytime you try to do good, there's always opposition. And there's ideas of how Nehemiah and the Israelites, when they came back to rebuild Jerusalem, they felt all sorts of opposition from all sorts of angles and how they dealt with each and every type of opposition that they faced. We looked at that last week. And then, of course, we have today which as you see up on the screen, the title of this sermon series is not The Rebuilding of the Wall, Part 5, called A Rebuilt Wall, to finish us off. Because we looked at the idea of that, the reason why they built the wall, of course, and it even says here in Scripture that the houses were still destroyed in the city. But there's now a wall around a whole bunch of destroyed houses. And we looked at the idea of how the wall had to come first for the people to have safety, to live and thrive, again. And so that wall was built first. Well, as we're here today, I want to just share with you a couple different thoughts of this story and how it keeps going. We read just a minute ago how 
Nehemiah and all the people gather, there's an assembly that's called, and you know, the wall is now done, and so the assembly is called. That actually says that the people go out and kind of go back to their villages. And so even though there's not many living in Jerusalem itself, because again, most of the houses are still destroyed, they go back to their kind of surrounding villages and the places they're living, and then Nehemiah calls them out and says, we're going to have an assembly. And so they come together to have an assembly before the Lord. And as they come together, Ezra, who's kind of the main priest at the time, comes out and reads the book of Moses. Now, if you ever wondered what book that was, it's, it's one of the first five books. It's probably the book of Deuteronomy, though, is the one they chose. Is the one that oftentimes is referred to in that sense. And so they came out and they started reading from the book of the law. And it says from sunup till noon, right? Which back then was basically saying six hours. And so for six hours, the men and women of Israel, it says, stood on their feet and listened to the words. And then it says, as Ezra read from the law, that some of the other Levites, they came around and because... You know, if you kind of think of what's happened at this time, not everybody's speaking Hebrew, really. They're actually speaking the lingua franca of the day, which is Aramaic. And so what I think it's, it means when they said they came out and expressed and explained what Ezra was reading is that they actually interpreted it in Aramaic so that the people could hear. And guess what happens when the people heard what happened or what was said in the word? It does say that they got down and they worshiped and they bowed down low and all those things, but it says in Scripture the Nehemiah gathered up all the Levites and all the Israelites, all the people and all the leaders and priests, and he said, hey, go around and tell all the people these words, right? And I just want to read them to you what happened that day when the law was read before them. It says that after Ezra opened the book, you know, the, all the people could see him because he was standing above as we read just before. But then you get a little bit down, and Nehemiah says this in verse 9. The Nehemiah, the governor, Ezra, the priest, and the scribe, the Levites, and those that were instructed of the people said to them all, this day is sacred to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep, for all the people have been weeping as they listen to the words of the law. But for the first time in a very, very long time, the people of God got together, the words were read, and there was a sense of conviction on their hearts, and they realized in the ways that their ancestors and them had failed God, and yet, Nehemiah says, no, 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 <laughs> right? And Ezra says, absolutely not. This is not about you, O oh people, and how you feel in this moment. This is about God's work in this moment. And they were there, of course, to start remembering the wall and, and to think about what God had done. He called this assembly to once again sort of look at the wall and sort of look at Jerusalem and to actually have people cast lots to determine who would come back and actually live in the city and actually rebuild in the city. And it says on that day, he reminds them that, no, 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 this is a sacred day. And then he goes on to say, not only don't weep, but he goes on to say this, Nehemiah said to them, go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks and send some of those who have nothing prepared. This day is sacred to the Lord our God. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. These verses are, of course, extremely powerful for maybe where we are in many different ways. As you know, uh, many of you know, we had a meeting yesterday. I know, it was really exciting. You guys are really pumped up. We had a meeting yesterday, and I've got to be honest with you, as a pastor, I'm always a little worried about meetings like that, but it honestly went as, I was floored. I called my wife afterwards, and I was like, I, like, that was great. Like, it, I don't think it could have gone any better, honestly, from my point of view. And we uh, rebuilt the wall, and we've been talking about this idea that as a church, you have to actually put some structures into place before you can go and do the ministry and do all the things that God's called you to do to be the people of God. There's some structural things that are good to have in place because they protect the church. They keep 
sort of the opposition out. They sort of keep everything flowing on track and to make sure the ministries of the church don't get derailed. And we actually, yesterday, populated. We kind of pulled the church together, had a nomination committee meeting. It was the whole church together for all those that were here. And we actually populated a bunch of the different committees that are needed for a church to run. And if you were asking me, you know, or anybody, I think maybe a few weeks ago, it'd be the question of, could we do it? Right? And we didn't know, right? Well, okay. Well, we knew then. Okay. Well, some people knew, right? Some people knew. So, you know, some of us needed, you know, we're waiting to see. And then as we got there yesterday, I just want to share with you the wall that was built, right? So just to let you know, this is kind of also a presentation of now we have an official list of 2023 nominations and, and those that are officially going to be leading in our church. So you know who to go and to talk to. We have our lay leaders that are going to be co-lay leaders, Gary Hinkle and Tim Stoffer. We have our lay delegate that's been elected, Brad Lewis, as well as an alternate, Mike Aldridge. If you want to keep on going, uh, we're just going to run through these, uh, my AV team. We also have the Staff Parish Relations Committee. You can see that they're actually decided to do co-chairs on all these committees instead of having a chair and a vice chair. We had Elaine Lewis and Jeannie Hinkle, Joyce Galbraith, Ricky Meredith, Susan Stauffer, Susan Bropes, Becky Cassidy, Steve Shirley, and Jen Hurdle as well. And we need to keep on going. We had our trustees, the co-chairs again, Mike Sisko and David Bropes. Congratulations. David, you're here. I saw you earlier. I don't know where you went right now, but you're here somewhere. And uh, uh, we, we nominated you. Uh, Mark Salva, Jason Cordell, Susie Butch, and I, Susie, I think I misspelled it. I had a typo on your name there. I apologize for that. But uh, Wayne Cassidy, Joe Nichols, Margie Hamler, and Kelly Sisko. And then also, we also looked up, we had our finance committee. We had co-chairs Ron Lee, Andrew, Andrew Nimley, Brad Lewis, Wayne Cassidy, Vicki Babbert. You'll notice there's an asterisk next to Dave Hurdle, and that's because uh, he's not in the country right now. So I can't really ask him because we, we made, uh, he didn't actually necessarily tell me he was available, but I think he will be, and it's just a matter of uh, being able to ask him at some point. So we'll see uh, if he says yes or no. And then finally, we had a nominations committee, actually nominate a nominations committee, if you will, and Susan Arnett, Angela Martin, Christy Nichols, Beth Cordell, and Karen Fluharty. Here's the thing, that might not sound like a big deal. That's a big deal. That's a big deal. Did you see how many different names were on there? It's not like five people were on every committee, right? <laughs> kept doing it over and over again. As your pastor has to say, a wall was built yesterday, right? And I don't think it was necessarily our hands alone that did it. I think God's hand was in it to make sure that this church will have life and beauty in these days ahead and to do amazing things. And church, I would share with you, I know maybe we're all in different stages of grief and maybe some people are joyous, some people are, are in chains of mourning, but today, Today, it's not about how we feel like the Israelites did that day. It's about to recognize the moment what God has done. God's built a wall around this church. You saw it with your own eyes yesterday, if you were here. You saw it today in the presentation that there's still a group of people in this church that are committed, willing to risk it all that are ready, that are going to face opposition, but they're going to keep on going, that are people that are saying, this is what God wants this, this community to have, and we're going to be part of it. We're going to build it up. It's a day to celebrate the Lord our God and what he did. Of course, the question is, of course, now, what do you do from here? you got a wall built, right? And just like Nehemiah in those days, you know, he looked around and he saw that Israel, the Jerusalem that was, was kind of empty, right? And some people were living there, but a whole bunch weren't. And so there was a whole system that they set up. But what they did, before they did anything before we were building houses or doing a bunch of different things or even building the temple again and doing all those different stuff, they did this, it says, 
It says they got out the second day. So the first day was that day where they were told not to weep, and they had a feast and a festival together. The second day, the words came out, and they did the same thing. They read from the law, and when they did, it says here in that same chapter, verse, chapter 8 and verse 14, they found written in the law what the Lord had commanded through Moses, that the Israelites, and I love this, if you just think about what's being said here, the Israelites were to live in booths during the feast of the seventh month. And as they read this, it's which month? The seventh month. Now, remember, the Feast of the Boost was this idea, is that when the Israelites were traveling through and wandering through the land of Canaan, right, and they were wandering through and trying to get to the promised land, if you will, and to come out of exile, it says there that the, one of the things they were supposed to do is have this festival, not only the Passover, but the booths. And the booths were this idea, is that what Jerusalem would do before it was destroyed, there was a festival that would happen, and everybody would come up to Jerusalem, and they would go cut branches and get palm leaves and all sorts of stuff, and they would make basically tents, right? Guys, I know I'm talking your language right here, right now, over here, right? They basically made tents out of leaves and sticks, right? I mean, it sounds kind of familiar, right? Maybe we need to have a festival booth some week here in the church and have you guys set it up for us. But uh, they literally did this, and they lived there for like a week, right? In other words, they didn't have all their normal stuff and all their things at home and all these different stuff. They lived there for a week. They had a festival there, and it was to commemorate every year the idea that the Lord had brought them wandering through the desert to remember what their people had gone through that God was still faithful and had brought them. And so they hear these words again told that this is what they're supposed to do as Israelites to do this. And so it says that they should proclaim this word and spread it throughout the towns in Jerusalem. They said, go out to the hill country and bring back branches from olive and wild olive trees and myrtles and palms and shade trees and make booths as it is written. And here, church, what happens? So the people went out, they brought back the branches and they built themselves booths on their own roofs and in their courtyards and in the courts of the house of the God and by the square of the water gate and the one gate of the Ephraim. And the whole company that had returned from exile built booths and lived in them. And then hear these words. From the days of Joshua, which was a whole long time before this, son of Nun, until that day, the Israelites had not celebrated like this. And their joy was very great. In other words, what did the first people of God, when they came back and rebuilt Jerusalem, and they had the wall, but their houses weren't built, what did the first thing they do? They did the very thing God had told them to do. Go, be with each other. Sit and remember. And it said when they did that, their joy was very great. You know, God calls the church to do many different things, but... One of the things that God calls us to do is not only be outward focused and do missions and do all those different things, God also calls us to fellowship. And I think if you wanted my two cents on what this next season should be, it should be the idea of coming together, of fellowshipping with each other, of finding a season of joy. It's sort of like a lot of times in leadership you hear this term. Have you ever heard the term sharpen the saw? And for my scout troop, you probably have heard this before, but I want to share it to you again. It's this idea is that and at this point, no one even knows who I think to give tribute to the original person, but it was this idea is that if you're out and you're cutting logs, right, and you're going, like, if you have the big, like, lumberjack people, right, you have the saw, right, the big, huge one, and there's one person on one side, one person on the other, and they're sawing the log, right, and you're going through a log, at some point, it gets dull, and you can sit there, and you can work harder and harder, or you can stop, go sharpen the saw, and come back. And the truth is, if you compare those two things, which one is more productive? The irony is the people that took it easier, that did less work, 
were more productive, right? And actually got the job done more. Well, so likewise, church, it is with fellowship and the church and doing missions and work in the community. I believe it's time to sharpen the saw. Have this season focus inward on ourselves, not for ourselves, but to focus inward, to find that joy of the Lord once again. I was talking with Jen Hurdle this past week. She has a passion for this. And if you have a passion for it too, I want you to come and talk with Jen and I. Because we're going to set some events up. The church has some good times. You want some potlucks? We're, you know, we're Methodist church. We do some potlucks. Expect some potlucks coming down the road here. You know what I'm saying, church, right? You want some sing-alongs to shout and just have fun for the joy of the Lord tonight? We haven't talked to Terry, but we're going to do some sing-alongs, right? We're going we're gonna to do some of these things to once again be filled and to stop just like the people of Israel did, to stop and remember that the joy of the Lord may be ours. Let us pray. Lord, as we're here today, we thank you once again for this great testimony that Nehemiah left us. And how the people of God, they went through rough times for sure. But you were never done with them. And because of what Nehemiah and those other Israelites and Ezra and everybody else did those days, one day Jesus Christ came to this world. And that same city that was rebuilt, Jesus Christ died for us.